0: Hey everyone, Alan Smithson here with the XR for Business podcast. Today we're speaking with Barat Alawalia and Jamie Fleming from Altura about augmenting enterprise productivity for frontline workers using spatial technologies. All that and more coming up next on the XR for Business podcast.
1: Jamie and Barat, welcome to the show my friends. Hey, thanks Alan, super happy to be here. Ah, I'm really excited.
0: So Barat, I know offline, you were just, you were mentioning that you were part of the original HoloLens team. So I know how you got started in this. Jamie, you've been building uh, experiences for 15 years in technology. So maybe just give us a bit of your background and we'll go
1: from there. Uh, Sure, yeah, thanks, Start. This is Jamie. Um, So I actually started out in architecture. I have a master's of architecture and worked as an architect for a number of years. And that's really where I was given an introduction to 3D modeling and building out immersive experiences in the day-to-day practice of design and got the spark of an idea of, hey, I could create a company where we really just focused on creating experiences and making them more and more interactive that helped in the early years, particularly help designers understand what their designs were. And over the years, that has just become more and more sophisticated and we've gotten deeper and deeper into the software side of things where now we really have a, a lot of interesting ways that we can leverage these digital twins to help uh, augment enterprise productivity.
2: And this is Bharat here. I got started into the space when I joined the HoloLens team. It was an interesting experience. Uh, the project was top secret, as you know, and I wasn't even told what I would be working on till I agreed to like, sign the offer letter. But I knew a couple of key people and said, okay, if these guys are involved, then it will be an awesome product. And it was. The first time I saw the vision video and the vision of the device, it was, wow, that's what I want to work on. So I worked on it for for a few years, shipped the V1 of the device, and was so in love with this technology that I decided to leave the company and build experiences on top of the device and the platform that I was part of. I did a small startup. That led to being acquired by... Studio 216 which is now named Altura and here I am and I have been building HoloLens and VR experiences since then. It really
0: comes down to the experiences because the devices themselves, the HoloLens 2 is a magical piece of kit but if nothing's on it it's kind of useless so you decided to, to go into the experiences and what are some of the things that you've been building because I've seen some of them but I'll let you guys speak to them. What are some of the experiences that you've been building?
1: Yeah, well, really the, the one that we're super excited about right now is the work that we've been doing with Qantas Airlines. So what we've done with Qantas is we've taken the 737-800 cockpit and we've recreated it as a digital twin. And then using HoloLens 2, we allow you to interact with that cockpit as if you were there. So you could be sitting in your living room or a classroom or anywhere really in the world, network together and interacting with functions inside the cockpit, the same way that you would do in a physical simulator. So as we know with HoloLens 2, it's tracking all uh, 25 plus points on each of your hands. You just, there's there's very little training in terms of understanding a new way to interact with a new UI. You can really naturally just grab levers and, and buttons as if you were really there.
0: I was, I was watching the video as you were talking about it, and now- You're in a cockpit of this plane where you're actually interacting with it. You're with another person.
1: But in the real world, there's just two people sitting on chairs in a room. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's important as cool as HoloLens 2 is, and it does definitely open up opportunities in terms of training because it is so natural. But we understand that people need to have different devices to support them at different times um, for what they're trying to achieve. So we see a lot of people also using tablets or phones or PCs to do the same training and be networked across devices. So it's super important to match the right kind of device application, device type to the use case.
0: Also, you can't expect everybody in a corporation to to use HoloLens. It's just not it's not the perfect device for everybody until, it will be maybe in a, in a couple of years, but I think you're absolutely right being
2: able to do that. And maybe the future of that is in web. It definitely feels like it what we have seen is there are two types of usage scenarios. There's a usage scenario which is more like a console in you know, or a gaming console in the sense you decide that I'm gonna be in this experience for an hour or thirty minutes. And in that case, for you to be inside a HoloLens actually makes a lot more sense. Like if you're going through that flight simulator training. And then the other use case, which we have seen, uh, say, in our real estate vertical, is much more casual, where people come in, they pick up a device, they explore the space, they walk around, they change some options, and that gives them more confidence in their purchase decision. But that's like a five-minute experience. Having to wear a HoloLens for that experience may not be worth it. So that's where we've kind of seen how the devices have worked out if you if you know you're going to be in that experience for a large amount of time then that initial investment of wearing the device and getting acquainted by it gives you back the roi you need whereas if you're going to come there casually move around for 5 seconds, 5 minutes and you know change a few options very basic interactions then a tablet device works out much better
0: and that's something that you guys have worked on with one of the telco companies
1: <laughs> right with sprint uh, i'll just give you kind of a a, a quick introduction to how that project came into being, which was was really interesting, we uh, do a lot of work with Microsoft in helping serve their customers across a variety of use cases. And we were in Atlanta talking to a group of Sprint, um, the different leaders within Sprint. They were spread between the training, the retail layout team, and the network team. And we went... And quickly with our solution, we were able to build a digital twin of a Sprint store. They didn't have the CAD drawings to support that exact store. So we just, through a process called photogrammetry, we quickly were able to recreate the digital twin of that retail store and bring it and show the team. Well, and I know you, uh, one of the previous podcast guests, Jonathan Moss,
0: he was spearheading that project. Is that correct?
1: Yes, exactly. And Jonathan was very instrumental in helping us understand the connections of really how to leverage that digital twin to fit seamlessly within an L&D team's typical process of how they would go through and engage their employees on doing things like how to interact with different customer personas. Jonathan was
2: really visionary and,
1: and leading and helping us understand that better.
2: Right. We, we are not training experts, right? We, we build the tech, but g- having Jonathan and his team on the other side really helped us complete that picture. So we could see what they were wanting to achieve and the process that they followed. And that helped us mature our platform and giving the tool sets to l teams to use. And we've seen that very successfully adopted by some of our uh, later clients where they looked at that and they said, wow, that's super interesting. In fact, what we want to do is change our content just a little bit to use the same tools. So that's been a great learning as well.
0: When you guys recreated the store using photogrammetry, how did that translate to other stores? Like if it's a different layout type of thing, or was it just a generic one store fits all kind of thing?
2: So it was just one store. And I believe they have like roughly 10 different store layouts that each of their store follows. So we had like covered one of them. So it was a great learning ground for them to say, okay, how does this play for different products in this particular layout? The important thing over there is to create the content in such a way that their team can change it as needed. So they typically will not change the geometry of the store, but they do want to change the posters inside it or what's the latest offering and the products. That they're offering through it so that their team can do very simply using existing 2d workflows of photoshop etc so that was in that was important for them to be able to make those changes without having to come back to us once they've got the solution
0: so that they could easily just transfer out some of the things did you have to build something for that or how did that work like how were they able
2: to edit it so easily we built a authoring system that helped them uh, edit it easily
0: Now, is this multi-device, I guess, or device agnostic? Can you pull this up uh, on any smartphone, or can you bring it up in VR? Like, what are the
2: limitations of it? It's completely device agnostic. As long as you have a reasonably modern device, iPhone, Android, phones, tablets, laptops, and when it's AR-enabled device, it works in an AR mode, so you can place it around your physical environment and move around. If you're not on an AI device like a laptop, then it behaves more like a virtual environment. So you can just move using keyboard and arrow keys or mouse. I guess what was the
0: feedback from the real people that matter, the employees? Like, did people like this? Was this something that in both in the Qantas example uh, of XR training and the retail sprint training, what was the feedback?
1: People like, what did people think? That, that's part of the, the joy and why it's it's fun coming to work every day, because you are creating and giving people experiences that really do spark a lot of joy. And it takes maybe a session that you weren't as quite excited about, watching some tutorial videos or working through a PDF. Suddenly you're in that environment, you are interacting with that environment, and it, there are definitely a lot of oohs and ahs And from the trainer's perspective, having a captive audience that is in this virtual environment, you know they're not um, spaced out checking their cell phones or um, not paying attention. You can see exactly what they're doing. they're engaging with one another and it it really is transforming we're, we're seeing and feedback that we're getting from our customers it really is transforming the way that people are engaging with this learning content
0: to user as well. Like, could you have multiple people
1: uh, using the same experience at once or? Yes, absolutely. So you can have multiple people in that same environment. Those people can be either, um, physically located in the same area, or they could be totally separated across geographies. They can be on different device types. So some people could be in a headset, others could be on a phone, maybe the instructors on a tablet or a, a computer so yes, we really we we accommodate people knowing that the value. Uh, a lot of this Alan, it comes back to what are what problems are you solving with immersive training? Why is immersive training interesting, or or should enterprises be thinking about it? And it comes down to you know there, there are several different ways to measure the ROI of these applications, and one is does this save me any cost as an enterprise? And so we know that a lot of cost and time and energy is wrapped up in people traveling to venues, to specific physical locations to receive the training. And so the importance of having the, giving people the ability to stay where they are, but still be networked together in a single training session, that is critical, I think, for immersive training to, to show out, improve out that ROI. I think there are a handful of different data points of ROI and different problems that you're trying to solve, but reduction in travel is certainly is a huge one. I don't
0: know the exact number uh, because the podcast was recorded a year ago, but uh, I know that that sprint one uh, from Jonathan, it saved them millions in travel costs.
1: Right. The team, that that travel team, I believe the stat was that they were on the road about 80% of their time, the trainers, they're just constantly on the road and um, being able to stay centralized but network in uh, and train a session of people anywhere at any time without even leaving your home that was transformational so you guys have have built some pretty amazing
0: experiences uh you've got experience in kind of building the hardware platform you've built experiences what's next what do you guys see as the ultimate potential of this where does
2: this go from here so just the technology as a whole is still evolving as You know, I'm sure multiple guests have said this. We do expect augmented reality to be as pervasive as mobile is. It may take years. Um, at Oculus, they said 10 years. I personally believe that should be lesser. I don't, I don't know who said the saying. I think Bill Gates said this. You will always uh, overestimate what you do in one year and underestimate what you can do in 10. So this definitely feels like at some point, the glasses will be thin enough and small enough that you can wear them, and when the and the battery life will last the whole day. When that happens, you would see a switch to being a consumer phenomena, just like mobile devices was. But currently, it is definitely an enterprise-first technology. It, it is similar to how PCs came about. They first got introduced into the workspace, and then over time, it got into everybody's home unlike mobile devices, which kind of did the other way around, that people bought them for their own use and then kind of started bringing your own devices into the workspace stream. So, so we, we do think this is a wave that's coming and it's going to be used across all kinds of industries. But in the next two to three years, enterprises is where it is. And we've chosen this very deliberately that, it's for the frontline workers where your environment influences your productivity. That's where this technology is so applicable. And that's where we are seeing. We are seeing it in training, whether it's flight simulator training, because of course, your productivity depends on the flight deck you are in or in uh, retail training because you're, you know, you're, you're selling in the store. So the more training you can have in the store, the better your attention is. We're also seeing it in real estate sales and marketing. It is so much more easier to sell a house or lease out commercial office spaces if the person buying or leasing can actually see the space, can design it. So definitely enterprises is where the focus will be. You've seen uh, Magic Leap pivot to enterprises. HoloLens pivoted between one and two. If you see the experiences that shipped with HoloLens, one was much more game and entertaining whereas HoloLens 2 was much more enterprises. So that's where our focus is as well.
0: I saw the same thing when I first got into this. I said, I'm not interested in games. I want to figure out productivity. So you, you've done training stuff. You guys have been working. It used to be called Studio 216. Why the they change in name? Or was it just because you merged and said, you know
1: what? We're going to be all touristic.
2: <laughs> I'm going to use that line from now yeah, on. Yeah, now, all right. That's great.
1: Uh, you better quickly trademark that, Alan. <laughs> Uh, the history and the legacy of Studio 216 was really about content creation. Um, we've done literally, I would say, tens of thousands of virtual um, objects and environments that we've built out of the last 15 years. A lot of that has, was focused on real estate, of building out projects that didn't yet exist and helping pre-sell or pre-lease them. And it was really through kind of a couple of events happened for our company um, one, which we just mentioned, that we acquired Barat's startup. And um, to help, we were very excited about kind of the cloud um, component of what he had built for extended reality and saw it highly ac- applicable to the work that we were doing with Studio 216. Um, the other kind of major milestone for us is that we raised venture capital and as part of that we raised money to focus on the software applications and as part of that we rebranded as our flagship software product that we call altura and so we just transitioned the name from studio 216 to altura what does the flagship altura software actually do so i'll give you kind of a high level um view of it and barat can take you into the into the weeds if you're interested, but. At a high level, our software allows um, uh, the creation, or or we take a digital twin of an object or an environment, and we bring it into our software, which immediately allows it to work across devices. You're connected with voice over IP. You have avatar representations of the different people in the sessions, and you can easily make that digital twin interactive depending on what application you're trying to solve for if that is sales and marketing maybe you want to explore different finishes or different layouts of an environment in training maybe you're following different steps of how you operate a piece of machinery or how you interact with customers and then the other piece that's really critical for us with altura is that we allow our customers to create their own, for example, in training, just using a web portal, you can easily integrate your existing L&D content into our software and expose it in that 3D environment and make it interactive.
2: That's super cool. What, what, does, that, what does that mean? We basically are a cloud software. Our app runs in the cloud. It is We have clients for each of our uh, devices that we support from mobile tablets. PCs to headsets, but the app that's running, the state of the app is in the cloud. So if let's say if you are on your iPhone looking at a space that we generated, and I'm here in my HoloLens looking at it, if I was to move a table around, you would see that table being moved as well because the app's kind of running, agnostic of the device, it's running in the cloud. And so that allows us to do, for example, um, in for one of our clients, there was a slide deck that they had to go through to learn about the product. And yes, you can go through a slide deck on your laptop, you know, it's a 2D space, but to be able to pull that slide deck inside the experience and see it next to the product with, and you know, having the product rotate and give you a visual to associate that training was very important for the client. So that, that was something we could easily do. Similarly for that product, there was a companion app that the sales representative had to learn as to how to operate. So we could build a walkthrough of that app within our experience. So so you wear the headset or or you're on your your PC, you're navigating the store, you bring up the device, you can say, I wanna learn about it, I wanna see how to use it, or I wanna see how to sell it. And the sell would be a role play where there would be a virtual customer come up and have Uh, You know, you could build up a whole decision tree where the customer could be saying, hey, I I want to do this. And your response as the trainee would be, should you start selling now or do you want to understand the requirements better or do you still just want to kind of empathize with the customer? And you could choose your path and go down and complete the role play and get feedback back like, was this the right thing to do or was that the wrong thing to do? All this while you're feeling like you're inside the store that you would be actually be working in super cool so people can do their training from home before they even step foot in the store exactly and this company used to have people come in post store closure to do this training right like at odd hours because they couldn't do it while there were customers in the store so this allowed them to scale that up uh, pretty well so does your system allow them to make it themselves yes in some cases there are companies that have dealt with 3d content like the construction companies they already know how to deal with 3d and for them it's a very simple training to understand how to transform assets from standard authoring tools like autodesk uh, you know 3d max or maya into something that our system can understand and and that's absolutely a path forward and in some cases uh, retail clients that or airlines that right now don't have the 3d skill sets. Uh, They just have us do it. But what we are starting to see, interestingly, is people are thinking about investing and hiring people with 3D uh, technology experiences so that they can take more control over the content and how this progresses through their enterprises.
0: But I think as we move forward, 3D is just going to become like video and like audio. Everybody can do it. Uh, One of the stumbling blocks you mentioned is bringing in 3D models. It seems to be kind of the stumbling block everybody runs into, because let's be honest, there's no standardization yet. So do you guys have your own file format that you're working with, or do you certain specific file formats? That's a great question.
2: And yes, you're absolutely right. When we were pitching to our investors for them to even understand that, oh, 3D doesn't have a well-defined standard format. It's it's taken for granted in 2D, right? Like, So that was interesting. We have our own format, not a file format. So to be clear, we went after the most optimized format for Unity, which are Unity asset bundles. That's the format we support. What we have done is we have added a lot of decorations to that asset bundle. So in the content itself, you can say, I want this share to be interactive. But I don't want this table to be interactive. I want this table to be, or you could say, this is the product that I want to associate this decision tree that I created using a web portal. So you can decorate the content, and our system understands that and brings up the right experiences. So this allows us to do a 3D model once and give it to the client. And then the client can just link 2D content or uh, the decision tree role plays to different objects in the 3D space. thus minimizing the need for 3D changes. So is it a specific model that like, are you using GLTF or? No, we are using Unity Asset Bundles. So that's a format.
0: This is all built on Unity then? Yes.
2: And Unity Asset Bundles is the most optimized file format that Unity understands. And that's very important, especially for HoloLens or any other like Magic Leap, because their processing powers are so, so limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, on what kind of content they can process. So exciting, I'm just, uh, the questions are so many. Um, I I guess the question would be, why wouldn't they just build it on Unity then? Unity is a great platform for developers to reach where we have reached. We've invested decades of, person decades of our team to a place where we are, where an asset bundle can be consumed on multiple device types and work together in a coordinated manner. Yes, you can open up Unity and create a simple experience and sure if that's how you want to do it, that's not a bad format at all. Unity is growing exactly for that reason. But if you want a scalable enterprise ready system, then that path is a really hard path. Then having our solution ready where you can still take that asset bundle learning, but use it on our platform, which does the rest of the things like distribution, making sure the app, is running on all devices, that it's networked, all those benefits you get uh, by putting it on our system. Do you guys manage device management as well? No, we tend to integrate with an MDM kind of systems. So for HoloLens, Intunes is a good system for us to use uh, mobile anyway. They already have mobile uh, MDM systems. Actually, our apps are in the app store, so that's another way, easy way for them to get. Like They don't have to go and install it from someplace. They can just go. Download it from the app store, log in with their credentials, and they will get the experiences that they signed up for.
0: I, I guess it's all running on cloud, you said, but I, I know some companies, they want to run it on
2: premise. So is that possible as well? Yes. We have, a, We our system is built on containers. So it's a containerized system, so we can move it to their cloud. So some of our clients wanted it, run it on their tenant rather than in ours. So absolutely, that's easy enough and we can run it on local machines because it's all running within the container that we can take anywhere that has been an ask that sometimes they don't have cloud connectivity in locations that they want to do training in for example
1: or sometimes there are security issues that don't allow them to do
2: that
0: yeah it's there's all sorts of reasons why well you mentioned doing photogrammetry of the store for example
1: Um, maybe you can elaborate on ways people can acquire these models? We use a variety of methods to capture and create a digital twin of an environment. So photogrammetry is one, doesn't, is not, I would say, the best for every type of application that you're trying to create, a 3D environment. But I think right now it seems like you've got a few choices. You can can buy some generic 3D scenes from digital asset stores. But more typically, I think you, if you don't have the experience in-house, you need to find someone that can create the digital twin of whatever environment that you're looking for and doing that in a cost-effective manner that's going to allow you to interact with it in the ways that you want to interact with it. So maybe that's a long-winded way of saying that I, I think the advantage right now where we've seen a lot of advantages with our customers that don't have the 3D capability is they can um, engage with a group like ours to create these environments and then quickly optimize them and distribute them across devices using our software. The other piece that we've seen is there's just such a wild price and effort range for creating a, say a training experience or a sales and marketing experience. And we all know the industry is maturing it's evolving every single day there are all kinds of fantastic news out there but one thing that where we have really benefited is the ability to quickly stand up for a very low cost to stand up the digital twin of an enterprise's environment and allow them to to start using it in a very short period of time so it doesn't require a lot of really it requires no coding in terms of getting these trainings set up it's just the effort of Building out an environment usually takes anywhere from a couple of days. It may take a couple of weeks depending on the size and scale of this environment. But for an enterprise to be able to uh, begin training in something within a few weeks after signing a deal is is really transformational.
0: That's another uh, issue that, that comes up with people is that They don't want to be locking into a year-long production schedule to have something made where by the time it's made, it's obsolete. So I'm going to ask you guys one last question because we're, we're at 30 minutes here. And what I want to know from you personally, and you can each answer this, is what problem in the world do you want to see solved using XR technologies?
1: Uh, That's the million dollar question. Coming back to, we have had the opportunity to build out lots of different, to solve lots of different problems already with extended reality. And I think the ones that we're really interested in are around training, just to be able to give people the ability to train anywhere in the world, to network with experts anywhere in the world, to, to preserve the legacy of what other people have figured out. And interesting content um, in the past to be able to preserve that and extend it to people in the future. So I, I would say it would it would come um, down to there'll be more and more interesting and exciting ways to propagate training.
2: And in the long term, if you if you look at this technology as it evolves and you kind of predict out maybe even a decade out, strongly strongly believe that this will be as pervasive as mobile. So so maybe the question that i would like to answer it's not that it which problem it will solve but the capabilities that it will give to us will be so different from what we have now from mobile phones which were so different from pcs that i would be surprised if there is any problem that is not impacted by this technology this will solve or this will create solutions or create opportunities that you can't even think of just like before the mobile phone Right, like if you were to go maybe in the 1990s, uh, who would have thought an Uber would be possible? Which is only possible because you have this device with you that you carry at all times. Or, you know, things like Instagram, where you can communicate so effectively because you now have a device that can take, cam- uh, that can take pictures and apply filters on them. So I feel similarly as, as this technology grows, and especially as it gets into consumer adoption. It will impact every aspect of our lives and it will create opportunities and experiences that, that we really can't think of right now. If you look back
0: 10 years, well, I guess 12 years, iPhones didn't exist. iPads didn't exist. And now everybody in the world's got one in their pocket or, or some sort of device like
2: it. What will be the things we do with these glasses? They will impact every aspect. You know, communications, I think they will they will just enhance your quality of life my point of view I couldn't agree more hey, where can people find you guys
1: uh, they can find us in Seattle Washington or, uh, there, or they can find us at uh, altura.com
0: amazing well thank you guys so much for joining me on the show
1: alright thank nice. you Alan Great
2: to talk
0: being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence but also from the aspect of the startup studios developers and enthusiasts out there and what they need so what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR ignite to the entire XR community of startups studios individuals passionate people and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute to learn and to get better across the whole industry that is really the reason why we started xr ignite to hyper accelerate the xr for business industry business and education and one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there there's the vrar association which we're partners with there are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com, and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, Interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one on one, one hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is going to drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com, And I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.